and we are live. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready podcast, uh, live edition. Maybe, maybe working through some technical difficulties. That's why we're two minutes early or a minute early. Uh, so much for time on target. Uh, but a push time is a push time. And if Plus you're a little bit early, then, anyway. yeah, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> so appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, we figured we'd do it a little bit different today just because Trent's not able to w- be with us today because he's on the road. And then, um, basically we don't have a guest. So we figured we come on here and rap about, um, a couple different topics and then in- answer some questions that you guys throw into the chat. So make sure you throw some questions into the chat and we'll address them as best we possibly could. Yes. Uh, ones is almost ready. Uh, yeah. To it's, elite, yeah. elite sands, but, uh, somebody, uh, yeah. the other day, somebody typed like once ready, like O N C E ready. And I thought that was the best play on words, right? Like if that was an old guy joke, congratulations, <laughs> you hurt my feelings. No big deal. Once I was ready. Once I was ready. Yeah. So, uh, you brought up a good topic last night when we were talking about what we wanted to chat about. And one of them was combat mission support. Combat yeah. mission, mission support. I can't speak this morning. So there are within special tactics and even the, the ASOSs, the air support operations squadrons, there are a lot of different Air Force specialty codes or AFSCs that uh, help us do what we're able to do. And we couldn't possibly do it without them. I know back in the day, uh, and I'm, by back in the day, I mean, you know, 80s, 90s, the PJCCT used to. TACPs used to be everything. Like they were not only the ones going out and doing the mission, but they also handled finances. They handled um, logistics, supply, vehicle maintenance, and all that kind of stuff. And then we found that we were really terrible at it and we were getting way too busy. So the Air Force decided to start fielding different AFSCs to help support us uh, so that we can focus on the mission, focus on training, and not have to worry or worry or mess up uh you know vehicles and other things so yeah. we have a whole bunch of different specialties within a special tactics and and one of the things that i could actually think about right now uh just because when i left my position at the unit you're at uh, the folks that were in my office were a lot of administrative and finance folks um, yep. which you know on the on the surface seems could seem a little boring, right? At least for people that are trying to like focus on shooting, jumping out of planes and that kind of stuff. But man, money and admin wins in garrison. Like there's no question about it. Yeah. They- 100%. And uh, so we actually just had a name change, right? So we've been changing names a lot. Combat mission support or CMS is now called special warfare mission support. So we refer to a crap ton of AFSCs when we call it special warfare mission support. I don't know what the number is and it's changed over the course of my career, but it's something in between like 10 and 20 operators or I'm sorry, 10 and 20 support people just to help like to actually make one operator worth of mission go. Right. Like, so you have an operator that has all of these things that they need to do something that is completely different about what it is that we do inside of uh, inside of special warfare is that you don't have to go outside the building to do anything. And I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day, back when I was a phys tech way back in the day, seems like a lifetime ago. Cause it was more than 15 years now. <laughs> um, you know, if I wanted to go to the flight dock, I had to leave my shop, go over to a building, hit sick call at seven o'clock. Then I would see a flight doctor who's seeing every flyer that was on the base. Then if I wanted to, if I had a, you know, an admin function that I had to change, I had to go to, at the time it was called the orderly room, but it's your, you know, personnel section. So then that was at a different spot. And then if I had an injury and I had a PT that I needed, or if I wanted to talk to somebody about something, I had to go like to all of these places on base. Aspect war, it's all in the same building. Special Warfare Mission Support. If you're familiar, this is super nerdy, but there's functions A1. In the Air Force, it's A. In the Army, it's S, whatever. So 1 through 9 are all the different sections, right? Like 1 is personnel, 2 is intel, 3 is operations. I can keep going. I I won't bore you. Um, But they all live in the same building. And with us, you know, we've been talking so much about multi-capable airmen and having all these things that that we have to do, we lean on our special warfare mission support more than anybody. 
you know, I was at work on Friday. We're in the in the middle of a, a big move, and we're moving buildings. Finally, getting in that new beautiful building up here in the PNW. The guy that is running the entire move is a is a rigger, is an AFE guy. Like his job is to pack parachutes. But you know what that guy actually does? He's a jump master. He runs our jump program. He helps the operators get better at jumping. He's better in the tunnel than anybody that I've ever seen. He uh, is in charge of moving all of these things and doing logistics. And he could easily just raise his hand and go, hey, not my job. You know what I mean? And he is like special warfare mission support is a killer uh, inside of the AFSPEC war community. And there's a bunch of different AFSCs like Peaches was saying, but we lean on those men and women super heavily. Um, and they are awesome. They're, they are what makes the squadron run. Um, at, when you guys get into the squadrons, you'll realize, you know, that Rose, uh, do you remember Rose when, when, uh, when you first got to the T2? She was an A1. She was running A1. She, she's, no, she uh, had actually left before I, before okay. I bounced in there, but I, I had heard stories about her just in the way that, like people talked about how amazing was she. I mean, she was writing speeches from what I understand. She was writing speeches and she was hired. Like she wrote a speech for chief chief staff of the air force, mm-hmm. uh, general Brown. Yep. And then I, I want to say she got hired for something like that because of the speech she wrote for him. And, and yeah. it was so good or something like that. It's a true story. You always have those people in the squadron. And I, you know, I mentioned, Oh, what's up, Taylor Starch. Um, I always mentioned, you know, there's a, there's a guy that works at the office right now. He's a vehicle guy. You know, I, I shouted him out yesterday on the podcast. I'll say it now, but you know, Chris is one of those guys. It doesn't matter what his AFSC is. The guy is a mechanic, right? By trade, he got into the Air Force to be a mechanic. But when he got to ST, he realized that he can do so much more. He drives our boats. He can clear a machine gun. He can shoot. He can move. He can communicate. He can pretend that he's an op four guy. He can do maintenance on small boat engines. He can set up when, when, um, you know, when they deployed last year, they joked when they got back because his deployed location, they basically, um, basically he became the mayor of the camp. He was the guy that knew how to do everything. And when you had a question and by the way, he's an E five, he's at his you know second assignment around these operators. And when I have a problem, I look to Chris, I'm like, Hey man, can you help me with this? Like, I don't, I don't even pretend that I know more than that guy. And that's what we expect from our special warfare mission support. So it, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot into something here. I know that we, we are all going to make it right. You're all Spartans. You're going to either die or, 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 you know, you're going to make it or you're going to come home with your shield or on it. And I know, and you know, there's, I don't have a plan B bro. I got plan a and, and that's it, you know, and we say it ourselves, you know, burn the boats, never come back. Right. Like I get it, but I'm just saying, that if you want to be like, maybe, maybe aspect war isn't for you, right. Or, you know, being an operator, being one of the one Z career fields, maybe that's, that's not for you, but you still want to be an AFSOC and you still want to serve on that side of the fence, man, being a special warfare mission support uh, person, being a pro at what they do. Amazing. Um, this is a, a new update too. So we'll tell you a little bit, but AFE, they are now all J coded billets. Meaning, if you're uh, an aerial flight equipment person, so if you pack parachutes and you look at aerial flight equipment on the AFSOC side of the house, you will go to jump school, both airborne and freefall. It's inherent in their job now. Like you volunteer for that duty that just happened, and you obviously get special pay for that. So imagine, you know, if you want to be, let's say you want to get in the Air Force, and what you want to do is you want to work in ST or at the rescue, and you want to go jump your face off, rigor, go be an AFE guy or gal. And I'm sending people all the time. I got people lined up to go to airborne right now. Most of my AFE are going to be jump masters by the end of the year. Like how badass is that? And they're usually better jumpers too, just because they can focus, they can focus on it. And yeah. And like, this is why it's important for, you know, AFE or, or riggers to be jump qualified is because when you're packing a shoot and then I come back and I explain like, Hey, it did this or did this. They know from a from a packing standpoint what that means, but to actually feel it and experience it helps them out and helps helps the end product. You know, so it's not like, oh, we're just trying to create a jump club or something like that. It right. is helping them understand what is going on. And that's the one thing that I like about, you know, Sticky and Blake and those guys yeah. because, and that whole shot because they are not only teaching and, and instructing um you know, jumping and, and parachuting stuff, but they're talking about 
the theory of jumping and the theory of how all of this works. Like they're going PhD level into what it means to do airborne operations. So yeah. you had covered two things on there that I want to make sure that I, I ping a little bit as, as a chief does on their soapboxes, right? Um, <laughs> you got, you got a caveat to the, yeah, I got a caveat with the, would yeah, it with behoove the me to says, listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, doggone. <laughs> hey man, that guy's awesome. By the way, he nails the Sergeant major. Dude, he really God, does. he nails the sergeant major. He nails it. Yeah, so doggone, get off hey, my grass. Hey, hey, PL, who, who's your doggone PL? Oh man, it's amazing. So good. Anyway, so um, you, you had talked about like if if you can't do special warfare, then go be special uh, mission support, right? So that is a great point because you know we, especially me, and I'll I'll say it right now, like I'm the I'm the coach, I'm the cheerleader, or whatever, like. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to be positive for everybody, but right. the reality of reality is, is not everybody's going to make it. Everybody that's, whether they're in the chat, whether they follow us on Instagram and they're trying out for it, if they've got sons or daughters in the pipeline, if they have like aspiring people, not everybody's mm-hmm. going to make it. Cause if it was, we wouldn't even exist because we would be at a hundred percent manning and that so yep. many people would do it. So the reality is the, not everybody's going to make it that's listening, which is fine. That is okay because it is definitely not for everybody. Um, so I want to put that out there because oftentimes we don't really acknowledge that, but that is a, right. a true statement. And a lot of people, like I had no, I had mentioned that in the discord before and, and it was kind of like a, like, Oh yeah, there's, there's 400 of us in this discord or maybe it's 600 now. I don't know. That, that's more people than in, in the career field. Yeah. There are more people. There are more people in that Discord than there are active duty PJs. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> hey, guess what? Not everybody's going to make it. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other part of it is, is, and I know that we we keep talking about it, so I'll just I'll just lightly touch on it. But the whole multi capable airman. Mm-hmm. You talked about Perry, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about Blake Sticky. We talked about mm-hmm. Adriana. We've talked about. All these other people, and I know we're we're talking about one unit, right? Right. But that is that is across the umbrella, and I don't think I have ever heard. Well, that's not my job. Not one time. Nope. And that speaks to their character. It speaks to their training. It speaks to the type of person that they are that we're recruiting and stuff like that. But never have I heard. Well, I do SARMs, or I do admin, or I do supply. I don't do driving the boats. I don't do pulling in parachutes. I don't do op for or opposing forces. Like that's not what I do. No, every single one of them's like, dude, get me on that boat. I can't wait. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the only, uh, I'll say the only thing that I've ever had to, to, to say to some of our, you know, SWMS, the special warfare mission support cats and dogs is like, why are you doing this? Somebody will bring a problem to my office and I'm like, why is this a you problem? What are you, uh, <laughs> why are you doing this? You know what I mean? They actually take on too much. You actually forget, you know, for, if I didn't know better, I'd have no idea that Sticky <laughs> was even a rigger because of all the things that he does. And every unit, stud. yeah, every unit has a Sticky. Every unit has a Chris Perry. Every unit has one of these people that it's just, they are, they're the, they're the one, they're the answer. They're the glue that keeps that squadron together. And, you know, as you, as you get, older in your career, you always have every once in a while a student gets out of the pipeline and they're a brand new operator and they have a wacky interaction with a support person, right? Because they, they don't they don't value it yet, but every single old guy, it takes about, I don't know, maybe one assignment to where you start like violently protecting those people. Like if I hear that somebody went down to supply and got like a little bit poo-poo with one of the supply people, mm-mm. You, you will get a direct visit from me and we're going to talk about that because those people crush themselves for this unit. And oh, by the way, they don't have to. Like I've had bad support folks and it will bring the squadron to a screeching halt. Screeching halt. Yep. Any of those, any of those career fields will are so imperative to the success of the unit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so. And if you just think, you know, we were, we were talking through the sections earlier, but our Intel shop, you know, oh, yeah. you just for just for, uh, you know, exercises and stuff, the things that they can do with geospatial intelligence and actual, you know, human intelligence and all these other things like I don't you can talk crap about whoever you want. Intel has killed more people than anybody <laughs> on the face of the planet. 
I'm sorry. Like those are the people that are like, Hey, you see this packet of people, all these people got to go. And you're just like, okay, well, where do I find him? They're like, he's right here. And you're like, okay, is, are, are we going to get blown up? They're like, no, go in from this backside. And you're like, Oh word. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll talk to you when we get back then. They're like, okay, thanks. Those but people are fucked. That's it, just it, like the soft truth though. The SOCOM soft truth, you know, is yep. that, you know, most special operations require non-soft support. Like that is why we have them. And that is why we lean on them so heavily. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Joseph, you said, uh, thanks for the resources you guys provide. I'm currently on IFT practice. Number three, just finished my run prepping Ooh. for the pool, man. We, uh, that's the next topic we're going to hit. So well, let's uh, jump into that then. Okay. Yeah. So I had the, uh, I had the opportunity this week. So I got hit up and somebody, uh, asked, you know, this happens all the time. Somebody in the area needs to do an IFT. IFT, remember, it's the new pass test, right? So IFT, the initial fitness test is what you're going to take to get into SWO, special warfare open enlistment operator enlistment, uh, vector program. And it has to be administered by an operator or a special, uh, operations recruiter. So I had the, the privilege over the last two weeks. I've run in two of these tests uh, for three people. I actually had a failure. I'm not going to put his, his name out there, but I had a, a guy that came out and failed, and then he was able to, to figure it out and, and get a pass. Just uh, It was like Wednesday or Thursday this week. So we're going to talk about the IFT. We're going to break down exactly what the mistakes were inside of this IFT, and we're going to talk about how to be successful, right? So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to show up, and you're going to get ready for your, uh, for your, for your pull-ups, right? So we've already talked about this and you can go check out the IFT. We had an IFT, CFT, uh, OFT uh, episode, right? So it was the initial fitness test, the candidate fitness test that you're going to take down at the special warfare uh, candidate course. And then the OFT, the tier two fitness test is what we all take inside of AFSPEC war, right? So the IFT, you show up and you start with pull-ups. So we talked about all these standards before. I didn't see anything too terrible on the pull-ups. They were actually pretty good. You guys just have to remember when you're training, you have to be able to pull that bar to about your collarbone um, at the very minimum. If if you can't pull it to the to the collarbone, man, you better be pulling it like to high chest area, yeah. right? So you better be getting up after it. And, and, and there's two real, real quick, Aaron. The reason why you're doing that is because when you think about the level that the that the pull-up bar is at and the level that the evaluator is at, right? Mm -hmm. There's a, there's an angle difference. So if I'm just getting just above, right. But that angle for that evaluator, it looks like I'm not like, then that's a, that's a no rep. So leave no doubt, like make sure you like, if you can get that chest, make sure you get the chest. I'm sorry, Eric, go for it. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right, chief. So as I'm looking up, at you to see you clear the bar. If I can't see exactly what the, uh, where your chin is in relation to that bar, I can't count the rep. I have to see you break that plane. Right. And then remember there's two planes, right? There's, there's a vertical plane and there's a horizontal plane. Breaking the horizontal plane means you've pulled yourself up high enough to where I could clearly see that your chin is above the bar, but I'm going to turn sideways. Look how big my nose is. Everybody. There's also a, a, there is a vertical plane to the bar. So if the horizontal plane is here, you can see that my chin is above where I'm saying the bar is, which is where my microphone is or lower. But you also have to break the vertical plane of the bar, meaning you're pulling yourself over the bar. So if you're pulling yourself up, but you're way back here, you may be over the horizontal plane of the bar, but you are not over the vertical plane of the bar. So you have to pull yourself up and over that bar. And that for, you know, and no no shots thrown and, and no spears to the special operations recruiters. We know that that is the standard inside aspect war sometimes because they haven't gone through ans like we have the recruiters and the people that are giving that test sometimes aren't aware of that second part of the standard and we've definitely seen um and this didn't happen in the last one but it happened in the time before that i ran the ift where no kidding the the pull-ups were happening and i i no kidding stopped him about 10 pull-ups in and i was like hey i don't want you to waste any more of your time you none of these count like you were pulling yourself way back outside of the bar and that's that's not the standard and he had never heard it before he was like i I did not know that i had to do that and we had to like retrain him to to no kidding he he ended up coming back the next day and passed it just fine because he had a million pull-ups he was just doing them incorrectly so um you're gonna do the pull-ups right so 
you get your your brief. There's a whole narrative that you read. Go to AppSpecWar.com if you guys are getting ready to take the IFT. They, no kidding, walk you through everything that you need to include printing your packet out. You can print out the score sheet. You can look at the narrative. You can get instructions on how to do it. And I urge you to do it. If you want to be a professional, start acting like a professional and go go get the resources. You'll get two minutes of rest from the pull-ups and then into the sit-ups. So um, the sit-ups are pretty simple, right? Uh, there's not a whole lot of form that you can you can mess up here. What I want to talk about is pacing. There's, there's a couple different ways. It's a two-minute exercise, right? I believe the minimum is 50 sit-ups. Uh, somebody check me on that one. I, I could oh, look. I, I, say, man, I, I think, I right think it's 50. Yeah, I know. I, I think it's 50 just because I saw it last week. Um, the pacing here is important. I see a lot of people coming out like super fast and it, you know, at 40 seconds or something, they'll have 30 or 40 sit-ups and then it just drops off like off a cliff. I would rather see you do a pull up or do a sit up every second or second and a half and just do that the entire time. There's 120 seconds, right? So if you're doing a sit up a second, that is 120 sit ups in two minutes. That's a, that's solid. That is a hell of a number. If you slow that down to about one and a half seconds per sit up, you're still getting 80 sit ups, 90 sit ups for your, uh, for your two minutes. But there's, so a, I would prefer, yeah, yeah there's I, a reason I, why that's that important. I think you're going to hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you're managing your output, you're not burning out and you're managing that stress through there. I would rather see you like a metronome, just bang, 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 knocking them out. You blow right by the minimum and then you start getting good numbers. We talked about like where we want to see numbers on the IFT. I think for sit-ups, we said like 70 plus, you should just be able to just kill that sit-up portion. Right. And when you get done, you shouldn't be taxed. Because now you're starting to get, you had all the rest in the world before the pull-ups, right? There was, you did nothing other than your warm up before the pull-ups. You did some pull-ups. Okay. We're getting a little bit warm. Now you're doing the sit-ups. Well, now you're starting to like, okay, now I'm, I'm putting out a little bit. I'm getting a little bit warm. You need to start really, really thinking about managing how much energy you're giving to this thing, right? Notice I'm not saying, I'm not saying scurve on the test. I want to see you give me a hundred percent, but I want to see you do it smart. I want to see you do it intelligently, right? Uh, so you get done with the sit-ups. The only things we see there that I saw on the test is uh, I did give a warning about you. <laughs> I hate this word and I don't know why it's been going around, but you have to interdigitate your hands, meaning the webbing of your fingers has to touch. It's the dumbest word. I've literally never why, heard. It why not interlock? Week. Why they used to say know. interlock. I don't know, but uh, K-Dub of all people, he knows it annoys me. And then he starts using it for everything. He's like, Hey everybody, just uh, I need you to interdigitate over here. And I'm like, that's not, that's not what that word means. Get out of here. Um, but you have to keep your hands locked behind your head. And then you have to keep your hips on the ground at all times. So uh, there is a, a habit of people as they rock back on the sit-up to lift their hips up in order to kip. Right? So they bring their hips up off the ground. Then they slam their hips in and they sit up. I did give a, a couple warnings for that. So pin those hips to the ground. Pin the bottom of your feet to the ground. And like a metronome, back to your shoulder blades up past 90 okay no rest position and no stalling so you can't stall at the bottom you can't stall at the top and this is what pacing is so important on the put on the sit-ups again you should just you know try it out try to get you know dial in a 30 second clock and try to see if you can get 20 sit-ups in that time and then have a minute and see if you can get 40 sit-ups in that minute and hold that pace that consistent pace because if you're doing 40 sit-ups in a minute that's 80 in two minutes. You're raising some eyebrows with 80 sit-ups in two minutes. You, you come out and I'm running an IFT and you drop 80 sit-ups in, in a good solid pace. I'm, I'm starting to get excited at that point. Yeah. Um, you also so got to watch two, out for your hip flexors too, man. You, you burn out those dude. hip flexors Yep. and you see it all the time. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. But it, those hip flexors are done skis afterwards. Dunzo. Oh, yep. Yep. So, uh, my, my two guys that they, they did great. Um, you know, going through, you know, and this is the first test that I'm kind of referencing and kind of walking you guys through first test, uh, you know, good up until this point, the pushups, uh, the pushups has a lot more room for error, right? Because people's body types, P peaches does pushups differently than I do. I guarantee it. We just have a different body type. His arms are shorter. 
he's closer to the ground than I am. My arms, uh, because of my shoulder injury, I typically do like a lot of, uh, it's more of like a tricep push up. Like my elbows are, are not flared out at all. Like they're pretty much right off my lat. Um, but that doesn't matter. The standard is you have to come to a full locked position. This gets people all the time. Here's how you can tell if you're going up high enough, go into a high plank. I want you to go into a high plank and just get tight as, as tight as you possibly can. You're going to make your body a stiff board. Take note of what your elbow looks like. That is the full extended position, right? So if you are coming, if you're short stroking it, essentially your elbow is not coming to a full out locked position. And if, uh, if you come to that high plank, which is the only rest position, the, the, there used to be a rest position where you could stick your butt up in the air and you could kind of like shake your hands out and whatever else. That is not the thing now. You are not allowed to do that in any form or fashion. Your body is a, a single plank. It's a single piece. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But you have to maintain that good locked out position. That is the up position. The down position is that you have to break 90 with your arms, right? And there's going to be a little bit of wiggle room in here. Typically, what I do as an instructor or as a guy that's giving the test is I watch the first couple reps and I try to give benefit of the doubt that that person's anatomy, like they're doing a good range of motion. It doesn't have to look like me. So the push-ups here are good. Some really common mistakes that I saw and that I, I didn't take any reps away, but it was really close on the second time that I, I gave this warning is short stroking it, not coming all the way up. And then your body has to move as a single piece. Okay. So what that means is that you are tight through your core. You cannot like, I'm over explaining a simple concept, but if my arm was my body here and this is my feet, you have to move as a single piece. You can't wave and have your hips move. Exactly. (laughs) You can't have your hips move independently. Your hips can't lead on the way up and they can't lead on the way down. It has to be a single um, piece, right? Your head can be in a neutral position. Typically, if you're looking about six to eight inches out in front of you, like not straight down, but just slightly out, that's typically what we mean by head in a neutral position. So didn't take any away there, but now we're really talking about how much energy are we expending? And now we're really going to get, and I saw it as we got done with the pushups, you could really see people are starting to breathe heavy. You could see that people are getting a little bit of a sweat on people are starting to you know, you, you get up, you can tell, you can tell when people are kind of getting into it. So this is where your volume prior is very important. Okay. So if you were getting, you should be coming out of these pushups. Essentially the cows should be a warm up, y'all. Like the numbers are not that high. The cows should be warming you up for the run, right? You get the, it, it is above 50, um, setups. Let me, I'll pull it up. I'll look at it here. Um, I say that you, that probably would have been good uh, good mission prep. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I didn't so, realize we were going to go to numbers. So I was like, oh, I should that's, probably pull these. That's up. why we're doing it live, dog. We're doing it live. <laughs> so I'm looking at Aspect Ward right now. So here's the initial fitness test. Um, do do do, do and I will I will pull this number just to get you for sure. It is 50. Yep. So pull ups in two minutes. The minimum is eight. Sit ups in two minutes. The minimum is 50. And then push ups. The minimum is 40. Y'all, that is not hard, okay? Like, you should be crushing that. Absolutely crushing it. So, um, now we get to the run. And here is where one of, my, one of my fellas had a problem, okay? If you have not done the IFT, we've said this a bunch of times. If you haven't done the IFT in order, you're wrong. If you haven't practiced the IFT in order, the way that it's supposed to be with the rest period, the minimum rest period... You're wrong. Okay. You get 10 minutes in between the push-ups and the run. So you, you do your pull-ups, you do your uh, sit-ups, you do the push-ups and then bam, you got to go into the run. This is going to sound weird. The people that are most successful at the run. And I want to, I want to talk about the run is so important because we're finding out and we put this out on another podcast. We're finding out that a lower runtime directly correlates to success at ANS. The faster that people run, it's, it's, clear in the data. If you're a very fast runner, you have a, a way better chance at being successful at ANS. Okay. So the run is important. So you have to focus on the run. So enough on that soapbox. The most successful people that I've seen um, on the run start out slower 
and comp- like continually get a little bit faster on their split times. So you, I think it's 140, like 140s to 142 gets you right to that uh, area of time. So a 130 lap pace on a 400 meter track is a six minute mile, right? You have to run a 10, 20, 20. There we go. For the um, yep. For slowly. Um, you have to run a 10, 20. I think that works out to be like 140 is, is your pace. I would prefer to see you come out at like a 145, 147 and get into your groove as opposed to going out too fast and burning out, which is exactly what happened to one of my candidates that was out on the track. So he went out and he he's borderline close on the run, right? So he's worried about it. So he's like, oh man, I, I really want to pass this run. He started off, he just started off way too fast. And I mean, it was immediate. You know, lap three, I was like, hey bro, you're going to have to pick it up. And by lap five, he, I was like, all right, well, you're either going to run a four-minute pace on this, this last lap or you're not going to make it. Uh, 140 is 10 minute flat. Thanks, Cyborg. I appreciate you. I knew I was right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's almost like we've uh, run intervals and, and <laughs> evals before. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the last thing I need. Uh, uh, more ego. Um, yeah, but that, like, guys, gals, you, you really need to dial this in. And I don't care how many intervals you've run when you're fresh. I don't care how many times that you do these things on their own. Unless you're doing that pace after the cows, I mean, it, it just does not matter. And, and unfortunately for this test, I watched a guy, he ended up missing the run by almost a minute. So it was like, I don't know, almost 11 minutes, right? So um, unfortunately at that point, you're done. If you fail, a, if you do not meet a minimum on the test, you, you stop the test. I don't run, I don't run tests like that. I, I allow you to continue because it's valuable feedback to run the entire test. So for the run, it directly correlates to success at ANS, and it's important. And the IFE, you got to run the whole thing together. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anything else on the run? No, I'm I'm glad you said that though because that was like I've I've given IFTs or what they were in the past with past tests, and you know somebody I before I take the time to go out there and you know meet somebody in the morning and schedule the pool and all that kind of stuff. Like I want to know where they're at, and I've made. Like I made my first mistake and instead of saying like, Hey, have you, what is your final score? Like, have you put all this together? Um, I basically said, Hey, what are your numbers? And like, Oh, I'm, I'm well above it. And then they fail the the pass or the IFT. And I'm like, dude, what happened? And it turns out that, you know, they would just do pull-ups. They mm-hmm. would just do push-ups, or they would yep. just go run. And it's like, yep. you never put the test, you never did a mock test just to see where you're at because the, this thing is designed to fatigue you mm-hmm. like that. It, I mean, that's why sit-ups are, and you know, sit-ups and push-ups are before the run because that's going to fatigue your core, fatigue your hip flexors, your back a little bit. Like there are reasons why it's built that way. So make sure you're putting the test together and doing a mock test before you get into it. Right. Okay. Uh, Michael, I, I need you to do me a favor. You're just typing words and you're not like making a question out of it. So you're asking, does altitude matter? And then I kind of, I asked altitude for what? And you're like coming down from acclimation to sea level. Are you asking me if you're training at 14,000 feet and going uh, to sea level? Asking. Is that beneficial? Are you sleeping high? I did come down from Colorado Hall and notice a dramatic increase in my salmon. Okay. Oh yeah. So well, yeah, yeah. When you live, uh, so you, when you live and train high, and then you go to sea level, yeah, you're. It's physiology. You got you. You basically when you're at altitude, you have to produce more red blood cells. You actually have more hemoglobin in your blood at altitude because you need more oxygen carrying capability. Because while the oxygen is still at 21% in the in the environment, it's the pressure. As we go up, pressure decreases. Pressure is how we get oxygen into our bodies. When you're at sea level, there's more things above you, which cause more pressure, which shoves oxygen in, which means your body doesn't need as many red blood cells. Therefore, when you train at altitude, more red blood cells, more oxygen-carrying capability. When you come down to sea level, you have uh, more, essentially, that's why your stamina felt better you can carry um, a ton more oxygen. It's transitory, it's tra- transitory, right? So what I think it takes like six weeks to acclimatize. 
to altitude. Like it takes you six weeks in order to produce and, and get up uh, to those red blood cell numbers um, that are higher. Um, but it does not take very long once you're at sea level to come back down to a normal homeostatic level. So there you go. Um, Ooh, homeostatic. That is, uh, I don't think I've heard that word before. <laughs> mm, homeostasis, homie. So, uh, so I should train in the mountains for the IFT. No, you should live in the mountains and then you should take the IFT at sea level. Yeah, if you, if you train, you if you train it. high and yeah, if you train, so it's like, uh, oxygen class, it's more physiology class, but it is oxygen specifically. So, um, yeah. So the, the thing here in Taylor starts is in here. He's way smarter than I am. Uh, he, he, should engage here um but basically you you want to sleep high and train low that's why the olympic training center is at six thousand feet in colorado springs that's uh that's why they're up there anyway um so moving on brandon did have it right that's pretty funny brandon said like now'd be a good time to talk about 18 alpha fitness which uh would be (laughs) however uh and i will say hey if you want eight great plans check out 18 alpha fitness Mm -hmm. use the code number one ready but that's not actually our planned uh ad reads our planned ad reads are um oh let me bring them up real quick so i don't mess it up that would be cardomax.com use the co- promo code ones ready to get you some of that energy in fact there's so much caffeine in it and it gets you going so much like i'm not a pre-workout kind of guy so if mm-hmm. i were to take cardomax before uh doing an ift i would probably have a heart attack not ideal uh, however a, in, yeah yeah <laughs> don't make that mistake yeah absolutely um yeah, and here's what else on the pre-workout thing too. Uh, after talking to the guy, um, he he probably had too much pre-workout in his system. I don't I don't recommend a whole lot of caffeine or pre-workout before any fitness test. Like, no, I want to go into that thing feeling as good as I possibly can. Everybody's had the experience where you, you took a little bit too much pre-workout and you're just your heart rate is just jacked before you start. It's not, yeah, a, not a good thing because I mean because you're already you're already nervous. I mean it doesn't matter, dude. If I go out and I do an OFT right now, I'm nervous. And it's not because I'm nervous to pass. It's a, a, it's probably that competitive gene that is just deep rooted in me is like, okay, well, I want to do better than I did last time, or I want to do better than the dudes that I'm doing it right next to, you know, which has never been the case. I have never Mm -hmm. been number one in any of the physical events that we've done. Um, But like, Man, I can't imagine taking some kind of pre workout. But yeah. again, uh Cardomax.com, promo code one's ready, and then if you do need some some equipment, uh check out eberlystock.com, use yeah. the code OR one zero OR one zero and uh that'll get you a discount. Eberly stock's got great rucks, technical gear in terms of clothing, uh for military, hiking, hunting, whatever you're going to do. So definitely check them out. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the pimp on that one there, there, Brandon. That was a see. I'm still working on my transitions. I, I kind of leave that stuff up to Trent and Aaron, but uh, yeah. So um, I'm gonna fix this light real quick. This is yeah, what yeah. You fix that light. Live. I'm gonna start talking so, about assignments. Okay, go ahead. Well, yeah, they, the those IP. are the those are the things that I would normally edit out, but since uh, since we're doing it live, I can't necessarily do that. I'm just glad you're wearing pants or something like that. I don't want you doing Winnie the Pooh on me. Um, Anyway, assignments. I was in the Discord this morning and saw a question on assignments. And the question was rooted in some of the overseas assignments based off of what, you know, um, there's unaccompanied tours, which means you're single or you're married, but you're just not taking your family over there. Or you're accompanied, which means that you're going over there and you're taking your family or, or, you know, your, your spouse. There are... I haven't checked the, the recent guidance from the Air Force, um, just, and I don't think it's changed recently anyway, but it, it was a unaccompanied was a three year tour and an accompanied was a four year tour. Now, again, that doesn't mean that you can't go over unaccompanied being married. You can opt to leave your family, um, you know, stateside or wherever they're at, but I would not. I would not recommend that. I mean, you're given the chance to go overseas. I would jump all over that because, I mean, Aaron and I spent time in in the UK and it was phenomenal. I ended up spending eight years over there, which is probably, uh, I mean, it, I don't regret it at all. But like, I know some people are like, "Hey, man, like, you should probably come back. You're being, you're hurting your career." Which I don't care because I wasn't in it for for 
to, to help or hurt my career. I just wanted the experience and I loved living um, and experience the world because not only are you living overseas, but all of the European and Eastern Bloc countries get, that you get to visit on a regular basis because you're Crazy. already overseas is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And then you also have the in-place consecutive overseas tour, which is stands for era. IPCOT. The acronym is IPCOT. So yep. you do have that option as well. So if you go over on a four-year, and now I say you have the option. It is an option that you have to apply for. It is not a guarantee that you get it. It is a way to um, provide stability for the for the Air Force member and their family and also to save the Air Force money because then that's one less move that they have to do, which means that's one less person that they need to move overseas to. Mm-hmm. So um, so you can apply for an IPCOT. It doesn't necessarily mean that it'll get approved, but um, an IPCOT means that you would, if you went over for there for four years, you'd sign up for another four years and stay over there. You don't get to pick and choose. Like you can do a DROS extension up to a year usually, but no more than that. Yep. Yeah. And just like you said, there are people that go over there. I'm, you know, specifically my boy Toa. I don't know how, like we were in the pipeline together. We graduated and he went over to, to, uh, he was at Moody for a little bit. And then he got over to Oki and he's been at Oki for like 12 years. I don't know how he's done it, but he has been, he's been at Oki forever. He had a brief, like a really brief stint back over stateside and then has just stayed out at Oki. Those overseas assignments, they're fantastic. A lot of times the joke about overseas assignments is you go there the same way you come back, which is kicking and screaming. Like people don't want to go or, you know, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a change. It's definitely challenging. You know, the England, uh, so England and, uh, Italy units, right? For rescue has a, a unit over at Naviano. Uh, it's a little bit easier. Like there's not so much of a language barrier and not so much of a culture barrier. But when you're talking about like Oki and, and being over in, in Indo-PACOM, um, you know, that's a huge culture shock to a lot of people. But people get there and they're just like, I'm never coming back. They love being on that yeah. uh, on that wall. They love you know, the seawall. They love being uh, out on the island of Okinawa or, or mainland Japan. And it's just, it's legit. The guys speak so highly of it. And I've, unfortunately, that's the one spot that I've never been to. I've been to pretty much every other destination that we have uh, to include a bunch of spots in Europe. I just never have touched the Oki unit, never been there, but nothing but uh, nothing but good things. So yeah, it's great. That's pretty, that's good. Yeah. Um, and I would, so agree, yeah. I was going to say, let's, um, unless you had like something else, I was going to try and jump into the chat and just answer some of these questions verbally, just so I'm not sitting here typing. Yeah, um, go uh, go check out the questions that you want to answer, and I'll, I'll wrap up the IFT. So yeah. um, the IFT, we get out of the swim, you got 30 minutes, or get out of the run, you got 30 minutes. Use that time to chill out, right? Like usually there's a transit function. Like usually you're not co-located with the pool. You got to go over to wherever the pool is. Um, just use that time to chill out, get your mind right, and then uh, and just be efficient in the swim. A lot of the uh, a lot of the swim is also it's another cardio event, and you should do it the exact same way. So if you're if you're doing Check my math here. If you're doing one minute per 50, there's 10 50s and a 500, 50 times 10. Okay, so far my math is good. And if you're doing one minute, one minute laps, then you're going to swim a 10 minute 500. That is plenty of time. That gets you way under the minimum. The minimum for the swim, as I'm looking for it right now, is uh, 15 minutes. It's 12:30 for PJ, CCT, TAC, PNSR. So just for SWO, so for Special Warfare Operator Enlistment, it's a 15 minute cap. And for the career fields for PJ, CCT, TACP, SR, and TACPO, you should be looking for a 1230. Totally doable. Pretty easy to, to dial in one minute there. So there we go. Yeah. IFT. Done, homie. All right. Let's I, do some questions. IFT. All right. Well, one of them was, um, what are some great ways to improve runtime? Would wearing a weight vest improve it? So... Man, I wish I wish Taylor Starch was still in the chat because, I know. He, like, if I'm going to ping somebody on run improvement, um, that's who I'm going to. Like, there are some mm-hmm. other experts out there, of course, but like, since I know Taylor, like, he's mm-hmm. who I'm going to. Um, yep. With that said, so I don't know what his stance would be on weighted vest. I do know that, like, at least from a psychological point of view, I'm sure mm-hmm. that there's some physiological point, but wearing a weight vest. Um, I, I like it just in the way that like, whether I'm walking around or I don't know that I'm going for a run with it, but just walking Mm -hmm. around wearing it for several hours at a time. And then I take it off. I feel real light on my, on my feet. 
again, might be psychological, might be actually something to it, but I think more importantly is the consistency in doing a lot of zone two um, with intervals and sprints and stuff like that mm-hmm. intermixed in there. Yeah, again, though, I, I, I think like you're training to the IFT, you're training to the pipeline. So mm-hmm. like really focusing on that IFT movements and numbers is what I would be going for. Like you're training for something specific. So, so do, yeah, do specific stuff. Exactly. So I, I've never been a fan. Like my dad used to call it getting cute. My dad, he, he used to say, Hey, Aaron, just don't get too cute. Just do what you're supposed to. Like you don't need to do like wearing a weight vest to train for a run. Doesn't make any sense to me. You're not going to run in a weight vest. What, how does a weight vest correlate? Like what time are you supposed to run with a, let's say you throw a 20 pound weight vest on and you're going to go for a mile run. What time is that supposed to be to correlate to a slick run? It's going to change your gait. It's going to change how you run. It's going to change your output. It's going to change the way you feel during the run. I don't know how that helps. So I I guarantee there's somebody smarter out there. That's probably going to hop in the comments and be like, Aaron doesn't know what he's talking about. Running with weight is the way that every Olympic runner gets faster. Okay. Like, the guy that just won the marathon and just set the world you know, like marathon pace, I can guarantee you he's never run in a weight vest to get faster. It, it just doesn't happen. So you don't need to, um, you know, and it, I would, I would say there's a lot of like dorky things out there. Like, thank goodness that the, remember when people used to wear the training masks everywhere, <laughs> like the oxygen oh, yeah, restriction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always hilarious. Like, Hey, take it easy, Bane. We're not, <laughs> you're not trying to take Girl's over brother. Gotham, my guy. We are. Oh, I was born in the IFT. You were just adopted to it. It's fucking stupid. So dumb. Annoying. All right. Next question. All right. Uh, another one that I found was, and this, I may have already answered this. How, how are spec war assignments looking with the whole talent marketplace change? Are the SEIs being taken into account? And does everyone have the same certifications? No, not everybody has the same certifications. We are using Talent Marketplace, which has its own challenges with it, but it is a better system than what we were doing. Um, SEIs or, or um, golly, special experience identifiers, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I, there you go. Yeah. Um, obviously, I know what they are. It's just knowing the acronym. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on the spot. Um, yeah. They are uh, put into account, especially if there's uh, certain codes like you're, you're a JTAC instructor, JTAC evaluator. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- those are things if you're if you're a weapons school graduate, like those play into account. We also have AFSC prefixes as well that will help with guiding assignments and stuff like that. So, yes, all that comes into play. Talent Marketplace, though, um, in my experience... Yeah, is an improvement over what we were doing before. I don't know if you've got a, an opinion on that. Uh, I think it works better. Now, I, I will put the caveat. In classic Air Force fashion, we rolled all these systems out, and, and we didn't, like, roll them out with the ability to, like, roll them back. So we're having a ton of problems just on, like, the actual thing working. Like, the widgets that we are using right now is screwing everything up. It's screwing everybody up. The system itself, if it was operating perfectly, would be great. There's way more control over assignments. There's way more control over special duty. Like the My Eval system, if it would work perfectly, is awesome. And the assignments process is way better than it used to be. Way better. There's way more control in the career field functional managers, which it should be. Really, the the assignment should have very little to do with AFPC. So that's the overarching person, the personnel center, the Air Force personnel center. It should have a, not a whole lot to do with them, but a lot to do with the chief of the squadron and the MAGCOM functional. And my mm-hmm. eval does that. Or I'm sorry, my uh, was it my vector or my, talent yeah. marketplace. Talent, talent marketplace. marketplace. Talent marketplace does that. It puts a lot of the ownership back into the enlisted leaders, at, at least on the enlisted side, and that's a good thing. So um, I, it's change. We hate change, right? We always we always bitch and moan about the status quo. And then when we finally get a change, everybody bitches and moans about that. It's one of the, the best things about being in the military is you can complain about everything all day long. Nothing is ever good enough. Um, but I, I think it's good. I think the, the way that we're doing assignments now is correct. So that is so funny. That is so yeah. true too. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, oh, this sucks. I hate filing a paper travel voucher. 1351-2 is so dumb. I have to print off six pages. And then we roll out DTS, and everybody's like, oh, I hate DTS. It's so dumb. I wish we could go back to doing the paper travel voucher. Get out of here. I'll tell you what, man. The new DTS that they've done, whoever whoever bought that contract and fixed it, 
it is really good. I mean, it has Way some problems better. at the beginning, of course, mm-hmm. but wow. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. doing vouchers in less than 10 minutes. Yeah, Cyborg, you're orders, right. My eval but, is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah, eval my evals, is garbage. It's in the heart locker right now, for sure. Oh, um, for should I focus on rucking before the pipeline? How about that? Hey, guys. So, like, rucking is not an evaluated event. Not so, for IFT, it's not. Not for IFT. So, IFT first. If you want to do some rucks beforehand, just to kind of the you know, to condition your feet, to condition your lower legs and, and to do that. Sure. Like I, I don't mind putting some weight on and somebody, somebody mentioned, you know, we were talking about weight vests and stuff and somebody's like, well, that helped me, you know, as I started rucking, I started with a weight vest and then progressed to rucking. That's appropriate. Like I'll sign on to that. That makes, that makes sense to me because that's what you're doing. You're starting to load, you know, progressively load your, your body with, with more and more weight. If you're the world's best rucker, um, that's really not going to help you out being somebody that can ruck really fast. Meh. I would say that being able to be on your feet under load for long periods of time. Now that's useful because that's what we're going to ask you to do. A lot of times people we've gotten the feedback. They were just like, yeah, I just, they asked me to be on my feet doing things all day long. And I wasn't necessarily used to that, especially for people that, you know, coming out of high school, yeah, yeah, a couple of years uh, in between, you know, maybe you, you have a, a year of training or so. Like really, if you think about your training, you're really not on your feet that much you know you go train you get your workout done but then you're you immediately what do you do you go sit in your car and you drive back home and you chill out on the couch and you do some mobility and you, you get plenty of time just to get off your feet and chill it ain't like that in in a and s you're going to be on your feet 8 10 12 16 24 hours in some days out there you're going to get zero sleep and you're going to be asked to stand essentially all day if you're not conditioned to do that then that's going to be a problem and you see some lower leg injuries. Sometimes you see stress, you know, stress fractures out of that. Just the constant pounding and, and never having that rest of being able to, to get off your feet is a big deal. So yeah. do you need to be a great rucker? Probably not. Do I think that there's value in conditioning those lower legs and feet? Yeah, I do. So I think there's, I think there's a middle ground. Yep. No, I'd agree. Don't, don't okay. overdo it though. Um, yep. John, John Baxter asked, uh, he's asked a couple of times to make sure we see it. So I appreciate that because things do get lost in it, but yep. um, is the IFT the same for enlisted and guard, or I guess active duty and guard, yep. uh, or do they do their own fitness test? Yes, it's the same. IFT is the IFT. OFT is the OFT. Now, yep. that doesn't mean that when you go, when you find a guard unit that you want to be part of, right? Because that's what you're doing. You're not necessarily going to a, a recruiter. I mean, you're going to go to a recruiter, right? But you find the guard unit that you want to, whatever the local one is for you, and you contact them. And then they're going to do a phone interview. They're going to talk with you. They're going to want to meet with you. Um, and they're probably going to put you through their own little assessment and selection. And that's, that is on them. Like they have every right to do that. And the reason why they have every right to do that is because once they hire you, they're hiring you off the street. So, they're stuck with you, whether you and they're pass hiring the pipeline you for life. Yeah. yeah, they're they're yeah. It's the same dudes. Like those guard units, they're hiring you onto their team forever. Yeah. So and and if you don't make it, like that's an issue, and that takes up a spot for them. So yes, the the boil it down. Yes, it is the same. So yeah. Um, if uh, I already, hey, I, I want to correct something, Ben. Uh, it does not take three years before you're able to retrain. So there's a memo out there that you can retrain after one year time on station in any AFSPEC war career field. Obviously, it has to be supported by your command. But once you're trained out of the pipeline and you're at your duty station for one year, there's a memo out there um, that basically directs your commander to allow you to put your packet in to cross train. With that said, though, going in with the plan of, hey, I'm going to cross train is not a great plan. Right now, if it if you're. Before you enter, if you're in a situation that is really bad and you just need a way to get out of it, yes, come into the Air Force doing a job, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be aspect war, especially if you're not physically ready, if it gets you out of that situation. But if, you, if everything's going well and you've got the time to train and all that kind of stuff and aspect war is what you want to do, then take the time to train, use that special operations recruiter. Use that development team to get you where you need to be and then come in. Yep. So. Yeah. And we say that um, we say that all the time. Like if you want to be a PJ, train to be a PJ. 
right? Like if, if you're like, I'm going to be a PJ, but I'm just going to do security forces first. Okay. Well, first of all, you're, you're pretty disrespectful to security forces that you're just going to go, Oh, you're just going to go do this other job. You're going to be great at it. And then you're going to be a PJ. Like have a little humility here. Like we have people talk about it all the time. Like, Oh uh, yeah, I want to be a PJ, but then really I just want to like, I want to go from PJ to CIA. Like everybody is not RJ Casey, right? <laughs> like RJ, RJ Casey is a unicorn of a, first of all, he's beautiful. Um, he's, he's literally, dude. he's literally in movies. Uh, shout out to come sit and relax his dad, but <laughs> not everybody is, is RJ Casey. Not everybody is a Navy seal astronaut doctor, right? Like, the fact that people still to this day will be like, well, I don't know what I want to do. I'm probably going to be a PJ. And then when I get, you know, when I get a couple deployments and, you know, whatever, I'll, I'm just going to go over and, and go to this unit or go to that unit. It's ridiculous. Like if you want to, if you want to do one of these career fields, focus on it, give it the attention that it deserves. Now, if you just want to get in and you're not, you're not sure that you're ready and you want to get in the air force because you want to serve in a different career field. Okay. Different conversation there. I, I, I support that. And, and you have it in the back of your mind, maybe that, that you want to, get some experience on your, underneath you and then you you have it as an option down the road, that's probably a better way to, to phrase it. But these people that are just like, yeah, I'm just going to get in. I'm just going to do this other job for a little bit. And then, you know, when I'm ready, I'll just go over and do it. Like, will you though? Will you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, let me give you another question before I finish answering that one. Um, if somebody already has a bachelor's degree or a master's mm-hmm. degree, like, do they have to go in officer or can they go in enlisted and should they come in enlisted? Um, and why don't you ping the, um, the, not the cross train, the going from, uh, enlisted to officer real quick. And I'm going to finish oh, okay. answering yeah, some of these it. in the chat. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say first, remember there are different jobs guys. So when you, it's, it's not just that you have a degree. It's what job do you want to do? You can do any job you want. You need a degree to be a special tactics officer or combat rescue officer attack, but you have to, it's part of the commissioning process, right? So if you have a degree, a bachelor or a master's degree, and you want to do an officer job because it's a different job, they're different career fields. If that's the job you want to do, go ahead. If you want to be a PJ, if you want to be a combat controller, if you want to do SR and you have a degree, you 100% can enlist and go for that. I'll tell you it's fiscally irresponsible for you to have a degree and go as an enlisted guy because I've got a different uh, take on that, but yeah, because yeah, officers are uh, officers are swimming in bags of money every day. Um, but there you go. What's your take? My take is is um, it depends on what you want to do. If you already have a degree and you want to come in and you want to be a tech technician and tactical expert and stuff like that, come in enlisted. That's mm-hmm. fine. You still have the option at, you know, eight years, 10 years, 12 years to then go get those bags of money being an officer and bags of cash. Yeah. And you still have the credibility. You still have the tactical experience. You still like it only helps you. Yeah. You're going to fall behind when it comes to that progression as an officer. But I mean, you and I both know plenty of officers that were prior E's that did 10 yep. years as an E and now they're oh fives. They're yeah. commanders. Like, yep. I, so it's, it is definitely doable and it's not detrimental to your career or anything like that. And you kind of get the best of both worlds. That's my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't disagree with you. Um, just keep in mind, like, again, you're going to have to go through another selection. Like if you're going to be an enlisted guy, if you want to yep. come in with that degree or, you know, a lot of times guys will get in, they get their degree and they decide to cross over. There's another selection. You're going back to the pipeline. You're going to, you're going to earn every single bit of that officer pay through another pipeline. So, you know, put that into your calculus there. It doesn't so, mean that you're going to have to go back through free fall or airborne or anything like that, right. but you're definitely yeah. going to have to do some other stuff. So, yep. um, let me see there, man, there's so many questions I want to make, cause this will probably be our last one. We're at an hour now. So, um, we'll go right. forever, baby. Yeah, that's right. That's right, brother. <laughs> it's right, brother. I got to look at my fantasy lineups. Hold on. Kick <laughs> off on the East coast. Let's see. I can't remember who asked this question, but uh, if a work day runs long and you only have the option of getting enough sleep or getting an exercise, in what is which is sacrificial? How little sleep is acceptable? Would you abbreviate exercise? All right. So there's probably a thousand different uh, methodologies on this and theories on this and stuff like that. So I'm just based off, and I don't even know what Taylor Starch would say on this, really. But right. I do know that when I sat down with him on our last episode, 
he said, and, and I, I put a clip out there on it, so you'll have to find it, but it, it talks about, um, the training you do today impacts the training that you're doing the next couple of days and a week from now. So if I go out there and I absolutely destroy myself, that, you know, that bank of energy or that bank of, of whatever, is now impacted for the rest of the week. So I, if I train my ass off today, I cannot train as hard tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday, right? Because I just mm-hmm. crush myself. So that's why that maintaining that consistency. So there's so many variables in that in terms of like, okay, so how much sleep are you running off of? Like, I really like my sleep, but at the same time, could I go out there and spare doing, even if it's a two mile run, like just to mm-hmm. get something going at a yep. zone two. How long is that actually going to take me? 15 yeah. minutes? Not very 15 long. 15 minutes, right? Yeah. So, you know, or if I'm doing something, say long day at work, and I don't know what, like whoever asked this, I can't remember who it is, but um, I don't know what you do, but there in an hour, I can get, make sure my math is right, 600 push-ups, right? If I do mm-hmm. every minute on the minute, I do 10 push-ups. That's it. That's 600 push-ups in an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not necessarily taking away from what I was doing. It's just like, oh, look at that. Let me do 10 push ups and then I'm back up and I'm working. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying there, there are other options. Again, there's so many variables in that in terms of, hey, what's my nutrition? How much sleep have I been operating off of three or four hours of sleep for, for a while? Then maybe I need to get a good night's sleep. Maybe I don't need to go out for that two mile run or whatever it is. But like all things equal, Probably get a workout in. I don't know. Yeah, I, some is better than none in every case, right? Like, and I'm you, you. If you're telling me that you have so little time, if you're telling me that your day, your day down to the minute, where you no kidding, you're like, I do, like, I am taking every every one minute uh, of workout is taking away one minute of sleep, and they're exactly equal, and that's how well, like, whatever. You're telling me you don't have a lunch break. You're telling me you can't go on a ten minute run. You can do a, you can run a mile and a half in ten minutes. Can you not? Is that not the standard? Like, you're telling me you don't have. Five minutes to warm up, a ten minute run, ten minutes for cool down. It's like just a half an hour. Like yeah. what are we talked about. So yeah. Um I, no, I think you can always do it's that. valid. Yeah. Yeah. Um in fact on that, Jordan Peterson did a there's a little YouTube clip of him going around or it was a while back, but he talks about with his students, they talked about, Hey, I didn't I don't have time in the day to do this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Okay, well here's an assignment. I want you to log, like take two or three days and log every single time, like times to everything, you know, like mm-hmm. when you sat down on the couch, which watch TV mm-hmm. goes, and then they analyzed it and they started cutting away and it ends up, there was so much time during the day so much time. that was being wasted that they could yeah. have been doing something productive. And, and I hate to put this out there and I hate to, man, I hate getting all like motivational shit, but how about you wake up an hour earlier? Go, go to sleep on time. Like don't, scroll don't doom scroll on your phone for 35 minutes before you go to bed actually go to sleep and then get up on time and then prioritize your fitness i think you can do both oh dude getting on the phone before bed or while you're in bed oh i don't terrible sleep hygiene okay cool well that's um that's about it for us over here unless you got anything else you want to add you got a heart out we can hit a we can hit lightning round let's uh let's get this done real quick let's go do 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 do. So would it be worth it? Uh, so Charlie, so would it be worth it to drop a lift practice run out of my week for a swim, even though I'll most likely lose that swim progress? How are you going to lose the swim progress? Are you forgetting how to swim? You got to prioritize that stuff. Um, let's see. Do you, from Hayden do you, or Hadden? I'm sorry. Do you guys think the current CFT is a good standardized test as far as job applicability goes? It doesn't matter what we think. There's a bunch of smart people that took like five years to figure out what it is. So they think it is and you're going to do it. Moving on. Part of me is scared to get in the pool, says Charlie. It's just one thing I'm not good at. Well, you're going to have to get over it if you want to be in aspect war. Um, Vickers, call me out, guys. Okay. I don't know. I think um, maybe we call I think maybe we answered one of his questions, called him out. I don't know. Got it. <laughs> hey, Good. what are some of the support AFSCs in your work squadron? So if I'm about to start rattling off AFSCs, then everybody will get lost. But you want to talk about admin, personnelists, supply, intel, vehicle maintenance, uh, AFE, SARMs, uh, logistics, UTMs. Uh, computers, comms. Yeah, computers, comms. Um, 
Yeah, IT support, uh, resource advisors, uh, medical personnalists, medical doctors, yeah. physicians oh, yes. assistants, like social workers, I, I uh, psychologists, thirty strength and conditioning coaches. Yeah, yeah, thirty-two or thirty-four different AFSCs within a special tactics squadron. So there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. crap ton of them. Bam. There you go. Feels good Somebody about just it. Said, hey, help me find a swim coach. Hey, I'll tell you what. Here's a, here's a trick. I I can't help you find a swim coach, but what I can do is tell you there is an old man or an old woman at your local pool. You'll know who they are because when you go there, they are always They'll there. They'll be there. They will be <laughs> there be. and they will be swimming and they will be doing like 4000 meter swims. So Help me find a swim coach. Go to Google, my dude. I, I, mean, I was going to I was going to yeah. get into this at one point, but I don't have I didn't have the space to rant. I don't know what it's been lately. Y'all are not fixing your own problems. See this chat over here? This chat? Y'all need to like do a little bit better at policing yourselves up. It's not okay to shame somebody. It is okay to shame somebody in this context. <laughs> if you see a dumb question out there, tell your friend they've got a dumb question. That's how we avoid future dumb questions. There you go. Yeah. And with that said, make sure you guys check out the Discord because those boys are over there. Yep. Boys and girls are over there freaking helping each other out. Like It's pretty awesome to see. That is yeah. motivating as hell. Yep. See. So, so check the Discord out. Hit up the uh, man. Hit up the IG. Hit up here on on YouTube. We're going to be mm-hmm. better about doing YouTube lives and, and getting on for live Q and A's because we value it. It's just we don't have a whole lot of time. That's it. Hence, Trent's just, on the road. I wonder if he. You know what? He didn't even dial in to this to even. How watch. dare he? The I audacity. can't even believe it. The lion, witch, and the audacity. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, y'all. Happy football Sunday. Go Browns. Yep. All right. Later, peeps. Light. I think. I think that's it.